Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Morning, church. How we doing? Woo! I even got a woo, man. Last service, I had just some low rumbles. Everybody's cranky at the 830. Don't come to the 830. The people at the 830 don't even want to be at the 830. Um, but, uh, but that being said, if you're new with us, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at, uh, at FBH. Happy January 17th, everybody. It's a big day because statistically speaking, uh, most of you have fallen off of your New Year's resolutions. Um, and so uh, welcome to uh, the, the rest of your year now, the realistic portion of your year uh, now. But I know Jeff talked a couple weeks ago about the idea of Christians uh, doing Bible reading as part of their New Year's resolutions and how that's always kind of a, uh, a, a thing. And I know Jeff preached on that because I wrote it and Jeff preached my words on it. Um, but uh, if you are sticking with us in our reading plan, we do have a reading plan available. If you are sticking with us, great job. Keep going. If you've kind of fallen off the wagon of our, of our reading plan, um, you, can, uh, you can just pick right back up where you left off. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, there's nothing spectacular or special about January 1st. Okay, just start again on January 18th, it's just as meaningful. Uh, and then lastly, if you, if you didn't know we had a reading plan, if you're looking for a reading plan or anything like that, on our website, there's a button on the very front page that says how to read the Bible. You can click on that. We have a bunch of resources there, including our reading plan for the year. You can click that. You can download it, print it out, um, and then you're, uh, you're good to go uh, for, for the rest of the year. Uh, but we do know, we do all know that, that if you call yourself a Christian, one of the, uh, the bare necessities, to quote Jungle Book, um, to, is really for us to crack open the Bible. Like we have to read our Bible. You have to be able to read it. And we get it. It can be difficult. Okay? Sometimes it can feel a little bit burdensome. There's names and words that you don't understand or there's parts of Scripture that can be really, really um, confusing. And, uh, and oftentimes people can simply, I'm just going to open my Bible and Whatever it is that I find, I'm just going to kind of apply my life to the day or whatever. And, and, uh, and it can be hard. It can be burdensome, right? I, and, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I remember I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, uh, I, I got a chain email. You guys remember those? Chain emails? Not chain letters. There was a small window of time when chain emails were a thing. Um, it was when everybody decided email was cool, um, but before email wasn't cool when social media took off and now email is just used for work and business and that sort of thing. So I got forwarded this chain email as a sophomore in high school. I'm sitting there, I'm checking my AOL account um, and uh, I'm sure it's probably still live, uh, but I'm checking my AOL account and somebody sure enough had sent this thing to me that says something along the lines of, if you're not ashamed of Jesus, forward this to 10 people or else you won't go to heaven. I don't know, it's something like that, right? All of us have seen those before. They're still on Facebook uh, today and that sort of thing. And so I'm reading through it and, man, all these people, they're, I can just tell they're such good Christians because they signed their name and then after they signed their name, they put the address of their favorite verse. And so it's like, well, I'm not going to not do that, right? And so here I am, my Bible wasn't next to me. I mean, to be honest, my probably had no clue where my Bible was. And so I wasn't going to take any time to find a Bible. It was much easier for me to sign my name and say, hey, you know what? No one is going to check. Like, no one's going to check 
what verse I put down there. It's just like one of the, and this is a true story. <laughs> Honestly, honest, true story. It's exactly how it went down. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I went with John 10, 20. Sounded good. Got gospel, got some Jesus in there, right? It's the middle of his ministry though. So nothing huge is good. We're not talking resurrection yet or anything. So I thought this is a safe, good, safe spot for me to write something down. I send it out to my 10 friends and I'm feeling pretty fantastic about myself. So the next day, I realized I sent it to somebody that I shouldn't have sent it to. Because not only is she a Christian, she was also a nerd. And so she looked up that passage that I had signed next to my name. And so she's like, Peter, tell me, explain to me what that passage is that you, you put in there the other day. And uh, I just heard a laugh because somebody looked it up. So let me tell you, let me share with you. What, uh, what John 10.20 is. It's on the screen. It says, Many of them said he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? That's not a good look, especially for like a, a chain email that legitimately was supposed to talk about me loving Jesus. This is the passage that I put in there. True story, true address that I actually put down. Like not a great look for me. And so because of that, so after that, I started getting serious about reading my Bible. Because for whatever reason, you, each of us have decided to read our Bible. For me personally, it was shame. I decided I needed to read my Bible because I was so ashamed <laughs> of, of putting that down. So I started asking my friends, right? Typical high school student, I'm going to ask my friends. I'm not going to go to like my parents who are up every morning reading their Bible. I'm going to go ask my friends because they obviously are very, very smart. Um, and so I asked this buddy of mine and he's like, well, this is what I do. I get my Bible and I pray over my Bible and then I'll just flip the page and wherever the page lands, I'm going to open it and I just put my finger down and I read whatever verse it is and then I'm going to apply, do my best to try to apply that verse to my life this day. And I was like, man, like that's super spiritual. Like you prayed over your Bible, like you are saying that God is the one who is going to direct your reading for the day. Man, that, so on the service level, man, that could be spun, that could be really great, Right? I mean, that sounds really, really phenomenal. The problem with doing something like that and not understanding how it is that we're supposed to read our Bible is you could flip to a page like, I don't know, Ecclesiastes 10.19. Ecclesiastes 10.19 says this, a feast is made for laughter, uh, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. I'm going to do my best as a sophomore to apply this verse to my life. Probably not a good look either. Right? And so we need to make sure that we're not just going through and hunting and pecking and trying to figure out what it is, what verse it is that we are going to apply to our lives for the day. We have to know how to approach Scripture because all of us have heard those ways. And I'm sure some of us have done those things before, right? Like flip, Scripture, all right, perfect, that's it for the day, close it. Or even better, logging on to social media, right? In social media, and you'll scroll long enough, you'll see a very nice nature background with scripture over the top of it, and you're like, amen, got my scripture for the day. Call it a day. You even do like the little praise hands underneath in a comment, right? Like, oh, thank you so much. Like, whatever it may be. Like, we've all done and seen those things happening, but we have to understand how to approach scripture if it's going to have the effectiveness in our lives that we would hope it would have. We have to understand how to approach it because the reality is the Bible is not like every other book in the world. If you've ever opened it, you'll recognize that, okay? It is distinctly different, and that's a good thing because if you open up a dictionary, you open up an encyclopedia to any random page, you'll have no trouble understanding the entry that you stumble across, 
right? You go to it, you flip it open, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 that makes a whole lot of sense. You'll have no difficulty with that. These books, though, are designed to give you snapshots of information. They're not designed to do much more than that. We all know, however, that the Bible doesn't quite work that way. We've all opened our Bibles to a particular passage and and struggled through it or felt immediately lost, right? Even that passage from Ecclesiastes, you're like, what, Ecclesiastes? And open up to the book of Leviticus and see how confused you actually are, right? Go to Numbers, as a matter of fact, and see if you can stay awake reading a chapter of that straight, right? Like all of us have been challenged in this in some way, shape, or form, but we need to know how to approach it. So there are two primary reasons, though, that the Bible can be puzzling. The first reason is this. We need to understand that the Bible is a collection of types of books. It's not simply just a book written, okay? There's history, there's poetry, there's biography, there's letters, there's apocalyptic imagery. There's any type of, any type of literature you could hope for is in this book. And so we don't read this book like it is that we do like a a history book about World War II or Martin Luther King Jr. or anything like that. The Bible contains all kinds of books. It's a library of writings developed and collected over thousands and thousands of years. And even though it has kind of one coherent message, we can't read Lamentations and then read Philippians the same way because they aren't written for the same purpose during the same time or by the same author, and they were all written over 2,000 years ago in different times and places than our own. So it can, be, it can be tricky, it can be puzzling, but we have to recognize the Bible isn't one book, it is many, it is a collection of types of books. The second reason it can be puzzling is because the Bible is a story, the Bible is not an encyclopedia. Okay, oftentimes we tend to treat the Bible like an encyclopedia, right? Like I'm feeling overwhelmed today. Oh, I should go to Philippians and get my information from Philippians, okay? It is, it is a story, It's meant to be read as one unit, not kind of picked through like a Sunday buffet, or at least formerly Sunday buffet. We can't understand the New Testament without the Old Testament, okay? A lot of people, a lot of Christians on this side of eternity, right? That's all of us, um, are just so confused oftentimes. Like, I read the Old Testament, and it seems like there's one type of God. I read the New Testament, it seems like there's another type of God. I really like the New Testament God a whole lot better, so I'm just going to stick over here. I'm going to stick in the Gospels. But you can't understand the reason for the New Testament without reading the story of the Old Testament. Those two things have to go hand in hand. We can't understand Jesus' life and his ministry apart from Genesis, Psalms, Isaiah, the prophets, Like we need to understand all those things. So while there's many types of books over a long period of time within the Bible, they rely on each other to explain one another, okay? All of them rely on one another. And we talked about that in in length last week. But once we understand these things, we understand these two things, we can ask the question then, what is it that we need to do about it, okay? Because not everybody has the time or the energy or the money or the finance, whatever, to study the Bible every day. None of us, have, not all of you have time to, you know, I'm just going to go off to seminary. We don't, we're, we're normal people. Like, and for me even, right, like if I locked myself in my office for eight hours and did nothing but read the Bible, people are like, my pastor is so holy. My guess is if you guys did the same thing at work, people wouldn't be too impressed by you, okay? And so not all of us have, so what is it that you need to be able to do about it? Because God's word is for all of us. The Bible was written to reveal God to us, to show us how to worship him, to train us in becoming more like Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so since this is true, the good news is the Bible shouldn't intimidate us at all. It should instead invigorate us. The Bible should excite us. The God of the universe revealed himself to us, and that is completely and totally 
incredible. So today we're going to start off our, our helpful hints on how to read the Bible, different methodology, with a basic understanding of how to be able to engage Scripture. Okay, so I'm going to start it off this week. Pastor Jeff is going to give some methodology next week. I'll follow it up with some methodology after that. Okay, but first thing, first helpful hint, okay, is I want you to pray before you read. Pray before you read your Bible. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 14, Paul tells us that we can, we, we can only understand the things of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says this. It says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may, we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Okay, we can read and we can read and we can read and we can read the Bible all day long, but only the spirit can reveal to us the wisdom and truth that God has for us. Okay, this is the theological word, the theological understanding of illumination. Okay, it's the the concept that you can read. You could have read a verse thousands of times, but then one day, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reveals to you what it is that you are supposed to be gleaning from that verse. Okay, it's illumination, what that is called. But we need to come to the Bible humbly. humbly. We need to admit that we need the Spirit to help us understand because our goal isn't simply knowledge. That's a byproduct, but that's not our, our goal. And my wife is, uh, she's reading through the Bible in a year. Humble brag on my wife. She might do it twice. I don't know. Um, she won't. Um, but, uh, but each day she has a recap uh, because she wants to take time digesting it all, not because she can't, everybody, okay? She's very spiritual. So uh, each day, though, in the Bible in a year, it has a recap of those verses each day that you've read to be able to kind of understand it on a deeper level. The lady is named uh, Tara Lee Cobble is her name. Um, and, and we linked her podcast. If you go to that button that I talked about on that front page of our website, How to Read the Bible, on there is, is a podcast called The Bible Recap. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. Um, but what she does is she, before she starts, she asks you to pray five very specific things. I have them up on the screen. The first one is this. God, give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. First one, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, pretty cut and dry. Second one, God, let any knowledge I gain serve to help me love you and others more and not puff me up. Again, this goes back to the understanding that we're not simply reading for knowledge. We're not reading for our ego. We're not reading so that the next small group, when somebody asks a question, you'll be able to raise your hand fastest. Okay? That's not the intention of why we read. So, I want to serve to help love you and others more. Third one, God, help me see something new about you that I've never seen before. Again, the idea of illumination. Four, God, correct any lies I believe about you or anything I understand or anything I misunderstand. So help make sure my theology is correct. And five, God, direct my steps according to your word. Okay, these prayers, they protect us from reading for the sake of knowledge, but we want to read the word of God in order for his words to pierce us, in order for his words to be able to change us in a very real way. So make sure you pray before you read. Okay, and it's actually really fascinating, this Bible recap. It provides something that we call context. Okay? We all probably understand context, but that word gets thrown around quite a bit in the Bible. Okay? And that's actually the reason for this next point, which is read more than a few verses at a time. 
want you to read more than a few verses at a time so you can understand context. In the Bible recap, what she does, uh, Sarah was just reading through and talking to me about some stuff, is she gives us a deeper dive into what's actually going on behind the scenes, things culturally speaking that we don't understand anymore. So Sarah's reading through this piece, the Abrahamic Covenant, right? Many of you may be familiar with it. Maybe some of you are familiar with it, but it's a promise that God made to Abraham saying, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations, right? Or, and, and, or the father of my nation, sorry, not many nations. Um, and so in this covenant, it's really, really weird in Genesis that, that God and Abraham, God's like, hey, I want you to cut up all these different type of animals, put them, put them, cut them in half and put them next to each other. And then after you cut those things in half, the spirit of God walks in between those things. Now to us, that's just really confusing. Like why is it that God would have us butcher up an animal and then the spirit, his spirit was going to walk between those things? Let's get some t- context. Let's understand what's actually going on. Okay? So what would actually happen is slave owners in the t- at the time would with their slaves, as a slave came to be the slave owners, what the slave owner would do was the slave owner would say, hey, I want you to cut up those animals and I want you to walk in between them to the slave. And essentially what that would signify is if the slave ever betrayed the slave owner, that this is what would happen to my body should that ever happen, okay? That's, that's raw, that's real. That was something that was really, really actually going to happen and that's how a slave and a slave owner would make the covenant. How much more real is it now for us to understand that the spirit of God passed through the same way a slave would to the slave owner to say, this is what would happen to me if I betrayed this covenant, right? Context matters. Deep dives matter, which is why we have to read more than a few verses in the time, at a time. This goes back to the idea that the, the Bible is not an encyclopedia, Okay, the books of the Bible were written to, to read, were not written to read only, excuse me, the books of the Bible were written to, to be read in only a few sittings at most. It's actually a fairly new construct for us to be able to, I'm going to grab that verse and apply it to my life. Or even more so now, I'm going to grab that word and apply it to my life. The books of the Bible were often read in large chunks. Paul's letters, for example, these are the epistles that you find after the gospels. They're called epistles. It just means letter. Um, that uh, those things were read in their entirety to churches. So they would come to a, a gathering place like this and the pastor would come up and he would roll up his sleeves and he would sit there and say, all right, this is the second letter we've gotten to our church in Corinthians and he would read the whole thing in its entirety and then everybody would get upset because their lunch plans were ruined because he would take too long to get through it, right? Like that was how scripture used to be read, not in small little chunks, okay? And this is incredibly important because we have to understand the context for which the verse, for which the verses are being written rather than simply assuming that the Bible was written about our lives. If you assume the Bible was written about you, you're wrong. You have a very small view of scripture if that's the case. The Bible is written about God and delivered to us, okay? It is for us, but it is not about us. It is about God, So in order to understand context, you have to make sure that you have been reading the book from the beginning and you aren't hunting and pecking for verses that are going to make you feel good for the day. Prime example, Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord, plans to to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Sounds great, not about you, okay? Context matters, okay? 
at that point, the author is talking about Israel. It is not talking about you. So while God has plans for you, it's not promised in Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay, context matters. So let me, let me show you what I mean. Okay, because what we have to come to the realization about is as you read a verse, you need to see how that verse fits in context within the paragraph. And the paragraph, how that fits into context within the chapter, chapter to book, book to testament, testament to Bible. Seems overwhelming. Let me explain it. Let's go back to our incredibly encouraging verse in Ecclesiastes 10:19. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry and money is the answer for everything because this verse on its own seems to offer nothing different than what most people in fact believe, right? And read and quoted out of context, maybe with a nice little photo behind it, something like this, that people would probably share that on their social media, right? Hey, especially if the church posted it. Hey, the church is going to post this. I'm going I'm to go ahead and share that because it's Ecclesiastes and the church posted it, so it's got to be good, right? Probably shouldn't post that on its own. So let's read about it in context. Because if we look at the context of the paragraph, if we look back to the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is talking about a king at this point who only cared about partying in the temporal. Oh, this starts to make a little bit more sense, okay? There's this king who all he cared about was, hey, we're going to eat, drink, and be merry. And if we have any issues, there's a, there's a ton of money that we can just throw at that issue, and it'll all go away right? Probably not the answer most Christians are looking for to be able to move their day forward, but that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about that both in the paragraph as well as the chapter. So we zoom out paragraph, we zoom out chapter. Now let's go all the way back to the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? We have to be able to understand what Ecclesiastes is talking about, okay? Solomon is writing the book of Ecclesiastes in order to explain the way things are on earth, Okay? He's not talking about a future hope. He's, not talk- he's talking about the state of things now. Okay? This is how things are on earth. Oh, that continues to make sense then. If we are simply describing what it is that is happening on earth, that makes a whole lot more sense. But that's good. But we also have to remember this in the context of the Old Testament. What's happening in the Old Testament? This is the history of the Israelite people. There's prophecy that's happening. But the big deal is Jesus hasn't shown up on the scene yet which means this is talking about, hey, this is mundane life. This is every day. We are waiting for a Savior, but the Savior has not yet come. So what are we supposed to, what do people currently do? They eat, they drink, and they throw money at problems. That's what people currently do. That's good, but we also have to remember what's going on in the context of the whole Bible. So it'll go on to tell us, the Bible will obviously go on to tell us, if you spent any time around church, that Jesus came to replace the order of things that man thinks are most important. Okay, man probably thinks something, some of the things that are most important are right up on that screen. Eat, drink, and throw money at things. Hey, there's no problem a large, a large sum of money can't solve. And so the Bible promises that Jesus comes in the New Testament. It's the entirety of the Bible. And so the, the old things, the temporal, the way that we think things, the, like the way that the world thinks that things should go can be completely and totally wiped out now because we have a future hope. We have something to look forward to because Jesus came to die for our sins and on the other side of eternity, we get to be in heaven. We get to be glorified with him. That's how you read in context. Verse, paragraph, chapter, book. Testament, Bible, those things. And if you do that, you will not be led astray regarding what it is because the problem is 
is if you just sit there and you hunt and peck, and I'm going to get this one verse, verses pulled out of context, man, they, they have created more cults than anything else. You want to know where cults come from? People read their Bible and they put too much weight on one thing and not enough weight on the other thing. Why? Because they haven't read the Bible in context. We're actually lucky that Jeremiah 29, 11 is, is promised to us in other places that we know that God has a plan for us or else all of us are living in a quote by consistently quoting that because it's not about us. It's not about us. And if, and, and if you're one of the people who's like, you know what, I hit my quota, I got, I got to read my four chapters a day to be able to stay on pace with my reading plan for the year. And so, so it's in the middle of a story, but I need to be able to cut that off. Hey, get a reader's Bible is what they're called. Reader's Bible, they remove the chapter and the verse from Scripture the way they were originally actually put together, believe it or not. The authors didn't put chapter and verse in there for everybody. That was made afterwards so we could find those chapters and verses right? Get a reader's Bible. It eliminates those things, and so you can read the entirety of a story and then stop, okay? So that's the second thing. Third thing, use a study Bible. Use a study Bible. I cannot stress this point enough. Use a study Bible. Buy a study Bible. Pair it with your reading. Yeah, you don't have to do it every day. Maybe some days you're just going to lean into a story. Other days, man, you want to make sure that you're really digging in and figuring out what all of the different contexts for all of the different things are. I don't know. I don't know where you fit, but the bottom line is, is that you need to be able to have something accessible to you so when you do get stuck, you have somebody who understands it better than you do. One of my favorite quotes about people in ministry is that your pastor isn't smarter than you, he just has a better library, okay? Incredibly true. I doubt I'm smarter than most of you in here, but I guarantee my library is a whole lot better. And so when I sit down and I study and I read and I do all these things to prepare for that, man, I'm just reading commentaries. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm weighing against the context of the story and, and my own theology and what I understand to be true. And then I take all these things that I've read and I shove it in here and hopefully you guys get something from it at the end of the week. Okay? But I use those commentaries every single week. I use my study Bible every single day. Okay? You, and that is an okay thing to be able to do because we don't live 4,000 years ago. We don't live 3,000 years ago. We didn't live in the time of Jesus. Context can be lost on us. So a lot of times those things, the commentaries, the study Bibles, they can fill in the blanks for you. You're like, that's a really confusing passage. Remind me again why Noah was laying, laying naked and his sons were then banished. Their sons were condemned for covering with a blanket. That's super confusing to us. Sorry, I'm reading Genesis right now. First story that came to mind. But regardless, we have no context for what it is that went down, right? Context matters. Being able to access those things matters. Study Bibles, commentaries. And the, the beautiful thing about living in the day and age that we do, you don't even have to pay for it if you don't want to. Bible.org, blueletterbible.com. BibleGateway.com. All of them are reputable resources that you can access for free. You can even do all your reading on there um, if you want to as well. Okay? And we have to access those things. You know, I went to school, I went to seminary, but that doesn't mean that I have all of this stuff memorized. We have to be able to reaccess those, uh, those things. And the last thing, tip number four, is read in community. Read in community. Okay, this is the way that it went down. This is the way that they used to do it. I told you that before, okay, that this is the way they would all gather together and they would read scripture out loud. And I don't do this all the time, and I'm not saying that every single time that you're going to read the Bible, you need to have an audience. Please don't do that. That's weird. Um, and I'm not saying that every single time that I go to study or anything like that, I walk into Pastor Jeff's office just so he can hear me read. Okay, 
what I mean by this is, hey, I'm going to read, I'm going to study my Bible. When I do get stuck, I don't just assume what it is that I think it means. I get to a commentary, I'm like, meh, I guess that's okay. feels a little flimsy to me. No, I go talk to somebody else about it. I go sit in Jeff's office, I'm like, Jeff, this is what I read. Protect me from my own head right now. What am I missing in this passage that completely and totally messed me up? Okay? Because there's passages in the Bible that looks like, hey, I'm not supposed to use the restroom. That's what it looks like. It's not what it's talking about. So read, in the, read, read without context, read without any other wisdom being given to you regarding what it is that you're reading, you can get completely and totally lost and your bladder's going to hurt. Okay? It's an incredibly, incredibly important thing for us to be able to do because the Bible, while, while we can read it alone, it shouldn't be read alone on its own. Okay? The original audiences, they both heard and read the scriptures in group settings as communities. Okay? God's word is for us. Okay, there's no such thing as a solo Christian, okay? And so, of course, we should read the Bible alone, private prayer, that sort of thing, but we should also read it with others, soaking in that wisdom, soaking in that encouragement that other people have. That's one of the reasons that we, we, we are pushing small groups and we'll continue to push small groups. It's because, hey, this, like, life as a Christian is much more difficult if you are living according to the word than it would be if you were not a Christian, and so not only do we want to encourage you, we also want to make sure that as we're studying Scripture, as we're studying the Bible, we're not faltering, that we're not learning something or assuming something that Scripture simply doesn't say. Okay? And so it's important to surround yourself with believers as you are working through different pieces of Scripture. Paul even teaches that we should do this in 1 Timothy 4. It's 1 Timothy 4.13. He says, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Okay? The public reading of scripture. This isn't just a helpful thing that we should do to be able to get more out of our Bible. Okay? The Bible actually instructs each of us to do, to do this as we follow Christ and read his word. Read it in community. Okay? And like we said before, we know this can feel over. We know the Bible can feel overwhelming, especially in the day and age in which we live where we get all of our information within five seconds. Right? Log on to social media, Scroll, got the news, done, okay? This takes intention. You have to sit down. You have to figure it out. You have to read the words that are on the page. You have to pray before you do it to make sure that you're not reading incorrectly. Holy Spirit, help me understand what it is that I am supposed to read, okay? But whatever, you, whatever it is, whatever it is that you do, I would just challenge you to start. Start reading somewhere, Try starting in Psalms or the Gospels, right? They're pretty straightforward books. Psalms, they teach us how to worship God. They teach us how to pray to God even, even in the distresses of life. Man, Psalms can be so soothing. They're poetic. David talks about um, the, the good times in his life. He talks about the terrible times in his life when he's searching for God. There is a passage for all seasons in the book of Psalms. Okay, the Gospels, they tell us stories about the Savior, but eventually... Don't avoid books of the Bible. Legitimately, my favorite book of the Bible is Leviticus. Okay? It is fascinating when you start to lean in and understand the law, like understand what it is that you had to do in order to get to the king, in order to inherit eternal life, like do all of these things, you recognize the impossibility of it. It's fascinating to read the book of Leviticus. Don't shy away from Revelation. Don't live in Revelation, but don't shy away from the book of Revelation. Okay? Do your best. Man, get into, get into First and Second Kings. Get into Numbers. Okay? Challenge yourself. You can't simply shy away. So whether you've been reading your Bible your whole life 
or you have yet to open the page, the, the, the first page of scripture, there is a challenge for us. We will never reach the end, like the ends or the depths of scripture and the knowledge that that book holds for each and every one of us. So there's a challenge there for all of us. And those books are meant to transform you by setting your eyes on the ultimate author, okay? Not just Paul, not just, not, not any of the prophets, or any, but the ultimate author. We have to remember that God recorded these words in order for each and every one of us to know about him, in order to teach us about salvation, in order to teach us morality, okay? When we begin to understand those basic tenets of scripture by, by reading his word, our lives at that point begin to change. Our lives begin to transform into a new creation that God orchestrated from the very beginning, it's not the reason we read our Bible. We don't read our Bible so we, come, we become better people. Okay, we read our Bible because God told us to read our Bible and it's his words. And as a byproduct of reading and studying his word, we become transformed. That's how this whole thing is supposed to go down. And God orchestrated that from the very beginning. That's where we as believers find hope. That's where we as believers, we find freedom. It's where we find our marching orders for how to interact in a world that's gone completely and totally mad. That's where we find it. And we all know that in a mad world, the mad world that we live in, that hope and life, it has to be breathed in by God through God's plan A. You know what God's plan A is? The church. You know where the church marches, marching orders are? The Bible. Open it up. You have to read it. It's not just a good suggestion. Church, we have a responsibility to be biblically measured. So when somebody asks about our belief system or asks how come we are so calm in the midst of the craziest season that most of us have ever lived through, like how is it, why is it that you are different? Not only can you answer according to your story because of the way that God worked in your life, you can also talk about the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, you can also talk about the fact that, hey, God did this because, you know how you find that out? You read your Bible, okay? This is not an option for us. Church, we have to read our Bible. We have to stop being afraid of it. We have to stop making excuses about it, and we have to get into his word this week. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you um, for the truth in it. God, that it is transformative, not just, not just because they're smart words. It's transformative because it's true. It's transformative because of the fact that it's, it's, it's your very words written on paper for us to be able to, to understand, for us to be able to, to read through. And because of that, we get to be transformed by your spirit, by your very words, Father. So, Lord, I pray that this week you would put a burden on our hearts. You would put a burden on our lives to get into your word, to be able to, to better understand what it is that you, like, that, that you have laid out for us. God, we have to be serious about your word if we're serious about our relationship with you. Those two things have to go hand in hand. So, Father, if, those there, if there are those here, whether in person or online, who have yet to say yes to you, whose lives are simply waiting to be transformed by your spirit and your word, God, I pray that, 
they would pray along with me. They can do so in the silence of their own hearts. They can say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. That I have fallen short of your glory, God. And I'm so sorry, and I'm broken because of my sin. But Father B, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on our behalf. And that he wouldn't stay dead, Father, but ultimately he rose from the dead. He conquered death to be able to repair a way for us back to you. And see, I choose to follow you every day. And whether we're saying yes for the first time this morning, we're saying yes for the thousandth time. Father, we recognize that choosing to follow you is reading your word and doing as it says. We love you, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.